morning, um, we are beginning a new series for the month of December, and our uh, series is uh, Let There Be Light, and, um, you know, when we talk about light, we talk about Christ, uh, many times people have the idea that, you know, Jesus began in Bethlehem. But the truth is, is um, Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem. And Jesus has always been. There was never a time in Jesus' life that he ever uh, ceased to being God. There never was a time that Jesus uh, was created. Uh, Jesus has always been. And as we kick off this new series for December, of course, we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ as being the light, the light of the world, about light that was sent for us. But you know, great stories always have great beginnings. And when we talk about Jesus Christ being the light, we have to go back to the very beginning. Um, and that's what we're going to look about here in, uh, in God's Word this morning. So for us to learn about the light, as God reveals himself to us through Scripture, we have to begin in the beginning in the book of Genesis. So that's where we're going to start here in Genesis chapter number one. And we're going to look at a few verses here. And I think it's important for us to understand what God says about light, what he means when he says, let there be light. Because it helps us understand some things about who God is and what he did for us by saying, let there be light. So let's take a look here. Genesis chapter number one. And we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 5, and then also we'll follow up with John chapter number 1, verses 1 through 5. It says here, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Now John chapter number one, verses one through five says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. When we read here in Genesis chapter number one, that summary statement in verse number one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You read those, those few simple words, and this is basically a declaration of a summary of what God has done. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Moses here, as he writes this, he tells us about the beginning. He tells us about what the earth looked like. He tells us that, that the earth here, it says that the earth was without form and void. 
It was formless. It did not, it, it had void in it. There was nothing in it. Darkness, he tells us, that covered the face of the deep. And then he also tells us that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, moved upon the face of the deep. But then we see this awesome thing that God does in verse number two. With his awesome creative power, look what God does. He focuses on the earth. He sees the earth in its formless void that it is. And he says what? Let there be light. The earth is filled with darkness. It's uninhabitable. Man cannot live on the earth. And the Spirit of God is moving upon the face of the earth doing what? He's moving, he's literally, he's brooding over it. He's preparing it for man to come and dwell in the earth. You know, I think about that, about preparations, about things that happen if you can remember when you had a child, first child, or a baby's on the way, there's a lot of preparations that must take place in the home. For example, you can't have radial arm saws laying on the floor. Doesn't work that way. You can't have sharp objects or dangerous things laying out. They all have to be picked up. There has to be preparations made. There has to be soft things laid out. There has to be things that, that help that baby in that environment. I remember as we were uh, working on our home back there in Ohio, we were living there, and the baby was on the way. We were still putting up trim. We had to get carpet in. And my wife is going, you can't have this laying out here. You can't have sawdust just going everywhere. This has to be cleaned up. It was, it, was, it was not fit for a baby to come into that environment. I want to show you a passage of scripture here that I think is very important. In Deuteronomy chapter number 32, it tells us about the children of Israel and how and where God found them. And it tells us here in Deuteronomy chapter 32 in verse number 10, God says to the children of Israel, he says, he found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. And he encircled him, he cared for him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle, that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land and he ate the produce of the field and he sucked him with the honey out of the rock and out of the oil of the flinty rock curds from the herd and milk from the flock from, with fat of lambs, rams, of Bashan, and goats with the very finest of the wheat. And you drank foaming wine made from the blood of the grape. God gives us this recount of how he found the children of Israel and they were in a howling wasteland and how he prepared them and how he, he brooded over them just like how an eagle does. And God gives us this example of how an eagle makes preparation for the young. The eagle takes things and starts putting things in the nest, soft things, because it knows that it's going to be hatching little eagles. 
And so these eagles are born in this nest and it's very soft and it's, it's nice and it's great and it's wonderful. But then all of a sudden, the mama eagle knows that it has to prepare those young eagles to take flight. So what does it start doing? It starts stirring up the nest. It starts taking those nice soft things out of the nest. It starts taking those, those twigs and putting them up on end. And so when the baby eagle sits down, ouch! Because he's preparing them. And it says that that eagle takes flight and it, it catches them on its wings and, and, and cares for them. And just like here in Genesis 1.1, we find that God was preparing the earth because it was without form and it was without void. And the Holy Spirit was moving, was preparing over the face of the waters. It was preparing the earth for our habitation. And so he's preparing the earth for what the Lord is going to do. And we see that in, verse, in day one through three, he remedies the formlessness. He puts things in the earth. Day four through six, he remedies the emptiness of the earth. And we know that God's, all of his crowning creation, he places man in the earth. And so God is doing something great here in all of this. And he says, let there be light. So I want to show you a few things about this light that God gives as he prepares it for us. Number one, light comes because God commands. God's first divine command remedies the darkness that was over the face of the earth. To make the un uninhabitable the habitable, God creates light. It says, and God says this, God said, you find that phrase, and God said, you find that phrase 10 times throughout the first chapter of Genesis. Now, when you think about that, and God said, that is so simple. Why is it that we do not comprehend that? That when God says something, it happens. You see, the creator of the earth is speaking and he is a talking God who communicates with you and with I. And when he says something, it happens. He speaks this word and it is his word that he speaks and it is done. It happens. You see, God creates. And notice, he doesn't use hammers and nails. He doesn't break out a welder. What does he do? He just speaks and it happens. And God said. It is through this power of his word that he uses to create light. Things that were not in existent are in existent now. Things that were not are now. Just because he speaks it. Psalm 33, 6 through 9 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, 
He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. You see, I speak and nothing happens. I command and nothing gets done. Let me give you a prime example of this. <laughs> Evelyn, come here. Evelyn, come here. Are you, do you live, are you hearing me? Come here. God spoke and it happened. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number three, it says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Second Peter 3, 5, it says, for they deliberately, for they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. You see, the world was shrouded in darkness. It could not be inhabited. The spirit of God was preparing, was hovering, was brooding over it. And God says, let there be light. And there was light. Isaiah 45, 7 says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. God is sovereign over both light and darkness. Psalm 139.12 says, Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. You see, I think when we read here out of Genesis 1, we think that God created light for himself. Like he created, it's dark and he's going, man, I can't really see what's going on over here. I need to create some light so I know what to do. No, because as the psalmist writes, it says, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. You see, God doesn't create light for himself because he couldn't see what he was doing. God creates light for us, for our well-being. You see, light was given to us as a habitation for man. The, 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 the world was shrouded in darkness and God said, light, we need light here because I'm preparing it for man. Light is often used of life, truth, Salvation, God's presence, even God himself. Psalm 56, 13 says, For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Psalm 43, 3 says, Send out your light and truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Psalm 36, 9 says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. 
Light is used of God himself. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 1 John 1.9, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 through 16, give us a summary statement of about God and who he is. It says, he who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion Amen. I love that statement that he dwells in unapproachable light. You think about that. You think about the children of Israel as they were wandering in the, in the wilderness there and God told him, he says, I'm going to bring you up here to Mount Sinai. And he, he makes Mount Sinai the place where he's going to speak with Moses as we read about in Exodus 19 through 20. And God makes himself known to the children of Israel. He makes himself known to, to Moses there. And he makes it where no one can go to the mountain or touch it or what's going to happen. They're going to die. God is so holy. God is so just. God is so righteous that he dwells in unapproachable lights. And normally speaking, God is inaccessible to humans. But what is remarkable to us is that Paul talks about here and he says that we can approach God now through Jesus Christ. And he has made himself approachable through Christ. So God says here, let there be light. And there was light. The shortness of those phrases, let there be light light. We should be in awe of what God has done. Because I don't know about you, but I've never created anything. Sure, I've used other resources that already existed, but I didn't just speak and something came out of nothing. God does. And he says, let there be light. And there was light. That which he spoke came into being that which he spoke with his mouth came true. This was his first organized command for us, for our habitation on the earth. Let there be light. And there was. So light comes because God commands. Secondly, we find that light is an act of God's grace. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Here in verse number three, you have light. Now this is what's interesting. You do not have the sun, the moon, or the stars until day four. Verses 14 through 19 clearly tell us this. 
Look what it says. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day now how could this be how could God create lights but yet there weren't stars there wasn't a sun there wasn't a moon how is that possible you have to have the sun before you have light right it's kind of the question what came first the chicken or the egg How does he make light three days before he has the sun, the moon, and the stars? How does God do this? You see, the God who is my light and my salvation, the God who is light that has no darkness dwelling in him, whenever he says, let there be light, whatever entities were there, whether it be the sun, the moon, and stars, they're not going to say, now wait a minute. We're the sun, we're the stars, we're the moon. You can't have light without us. You see, this is only a problem if we fail to take into account an infinite and an omnipotent God. God does not need the sun. He does not need the moon. He does not need the stars to provide light. Why? Because God himself is light. Day one tells us that there was light. Day four tells us stars, moon, and sun. The question I think most of us have to ask is, why did God do it this way? If you can scour the internet, you can find many people that sit there and argue about this and write forums and stuff about, well, I think it happened this way, and I think it happened this way, and I think this is why, this is this, and this and this. I mean, don't you think that God would know that people would say that that couldn't be true. Why do we have light before we have the sun, the moon, and the stars? God is trying to emphasize something to us, that he is the ultimate source of light. You see, people back in the day of Moses often worshiped other gods. And you know what the one God that they worshiped was? The sun. And Moses writes here and says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then here comes the sun, the moon, and the stars later on. You see, as we look at these verses one through three, we see something awesome and powerful about God. We see this triune God at work. It says, in the beginning, God created. We see God creating in verse number one. Verse two, we see the spirit of God hovering And in verse three, we actually see the word of God, the God that creates, the creating God. This is Jesus Christ. John chapter one, verse number three, it says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. What things were made through him? All things. 
Without him, not anything made that was made. Not even God can create himself. There is nothing in the universe that exists apart from him. He is the source and the creator of all things. He is the uncreated creator. He has always been and always will be. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So this awesome creator, Jesus Christ, created all things, and he is the eternal and will never cease to exist, as Colossians 1.16 tells us. For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Hebrews 1, 1-3 tells us, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we have Jesus Christ being that divine word in creation. And so God says, let there be light. And there was light. I think often of Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. John chapter 1, verse number 9, the true light which gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. See, God creates light out of darkness. It was for our benefit. It was an act of his grace towards us. And we see God giving his grace all the way from the very beginning of creation. I mean, this is before he ever created man. God gave light to us because he was making a habitation for us and he's giving us this light that we so desperately need. So we find that he's teaching us about this light, about truth, about his son, but he's also teaching us something very important and that's an important element and that is the gospel because we find here thirdly, light teaches us about the gospel. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 20 says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. You see, this is God's remedy to our darkness. It's God's remedy to the love of our darkness. He sent his son into the world and sent his son into our lives. So when God says, let there be light, he's giving us light. He's showing us the way to God himself. He's showing us light to direct us to himself. So God was speaking light into the darkness 
And this is what he continually does in our lives. He speaks light. He gives light. He gives truth. He speaks truth. And when we ourselves, we continually walk in darkness, we hate the light, is what scripture says. We don't want anything to do with light. But when we decide to come to the light, what does it do? Our works are exposed as works of darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is the new birth like? It's like Genesis 1, 2, let there be light. God says, light, and there's light You see, without Christ while in darkness, you're not walking around looking for a light switch. Before Christ, we don't have any desire whatsoever to dwell in light. John 3.19 tells us that we loved darkness. Look what it says. The people loved the darkness rather than than light. That's what we are. We are darkness lovers. We love the darkness. You say, Mike, but you know, there's some good people in the world. Yeah, I understand there's good people in the world, but our works are works of darkness. And we love darkness rather than light. You see, when we come to the light, our sin is exposed. Light is what judges us. It exposes us for who we are. And we're not looking for light. We are darkness lovers. Now, does it hurt to come into the light and to be exposed? Yes, it does. But this is what is so amazing about the gospel. This light that God gives is a healing light. It's not meant to to hurt you or to destroy you. It's to show you what's wrong, the darkness that is in your heart. And it shows you what, what you are on the inside. It shows us that our whole self image is wrecked. We don't have to be afraid of it. Because it's good for us. It's good to dwell in light. It's good to come to the light. You see, God will not expose our sin to laugh at us, to mock us, to ridicule us. He exposes us to make us one of his children. And so the light is there to show us how bad we are. But it's to show us how precious Christ is. Because God's gift of light is grace and it shines to us the gospel. And God declares light in our life. I want you to think back just for a moment. Before you came to know Christ, how many times did you hear the gospel? Meaning the fact that you heard that Jesus Christ died for you, that Jesus loved you, that Jesus took your sin upon himself, that he was buried and he rose again the third day. How many times did you hear the gospel before it finally, I understand now, light, light. 
You see, God was always speaking light to you, and he's saying, light, 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 light. And eventually, you said, I understand now. I see Jesus as the light. I see Jesus as precious. I see my sin for what it really is, that it's an offense to God, and I need to repent of my sin and turn to Christ, which is light. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glorious gospel message of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, Jesus is the light of our life and he dispels the darkness of our sin and our death. So, when God says light, that is a great, awesome privilege that we as, as created man have been given because he's given to, to us as an act of grace and he's given it to us to show us the gospel and he's given us so that we might dwell in light and walk in light and be in light. So have you been given light? Has God been speaking light into your heart? Has he been saying light, light, light? Have you responded to that? You see, there's only one person in here that I'm sure of that knows that they're on their way to heaven that has their sins forgiven. That's me. I don't know about you. I don't know what your heart is like. I don't know if you've turned from your sin and received Christ as the only ultimate source of life. And you have to receive that light. And so if God is drawing you, if God is speaking to you, and he's saying, light, 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 you need to repent of your sin and turn to Christ. Receive Christ as your Savior. And so light teaches us about the gospel. Let's pray together.